Follow Sean on social media at Sean B. Planet. His podcast audio is on the Sean B. Planet channel on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. His videos are on YouTube and BitChute. Live streams on DLive and Twitch. Blogs, links, and other stuff can be found at SeanBplanet.com. So beautiful. Um, welcome in, everyone, <laughs> now or uh, at a later date. I'm here with the legend himself, Don Lipsy. Uh, <laughs> the legend himself, a, uh, a real man of God, a husband, a father, a disciple maker, I will say a, a motivational speaker, <laughs> a businessman, and my mentor. Um, thank you wow. for coming on the stream. Thank you for having me. Thank you for those kind words. <laughs> it's a shame very few of them are true. So, <laughs> Yeah, oh, they're all true. They're all true. Uh, okay. um, I wanted to start by asking you if you would just share your testimony with the people. Okay, short or long version? Either but, or. Yeah. Five minute version or longer? <laughs> it's up to you, whichever one you want, want people to hear. Okay. Well, I, I want to be respectful of your time. Okay, um, testimony. I was saved on October the 12th, 1980 at noon at First Baptist Church, Decaturville, Tennessee. But to get to that point was an interesting um, uh, route. I was born uh, to a, um, a wonderful mother and father, Christian mother and father, very, very devout uh very authentic christians um i grew up uh, going to church all the time every sunday every sunday night every wednesday uh, um you know uh i mean i was raised in church uh first baptist church parsons tennessee a little town over in west tennessee um had good bible teachers when i was a child uh learned a lot about jesus and as i got a little bit older 10 11 12 13 a lot of my friends uh made decisions for christ and surrendered their lives and and were baptized and and um, became believers and more and more and more i felt <clears throat> isolated um and as i got to be 14, 15, 16, I really felt a lot of pressure from my friends who had uh, become Christians and they would always seem to push me to make a decision, push me, push me to make a decision. And the more they pushed, the more I pulled back. Um, and when I was about 15 or 16, I began to rebel against my parents, um, uh, started to live a real rebellious lifestyle, a real party lifestyle. Um, was really starting to go down a dark path with the wrong people. Uh, my mother and father became very concerned. Um, and um, uh, then this went on until I was about 18. And when I was 18, I started dating the woman I married to. And she went to another church and she uh, invited me uh, to start going with her. And it took a lot of pressure off because I was able to escape all my friends at the church I grew up in, who most of which had become Christians. And I was one of the few that had not kind of, kind of pushed back from that. And um, 
So we started going to her church. And then on October the 12th, 1980, uh, I really felt uh, the call of the Holy Spirit on my life. I, I, I became, uh, I came under severe conviction. Um, and um, at the end of the service, I surrendered my life to Christ. Um, now, the important part of all that is this, and this gets into the, to the gospel, and that is intellectual assent to Christ versus uh, true repentance and belief. Um, I grew up in church. I knew as much about Jesus as my saved friends. I, I knew about him. I believed in him. I believed he was the Savior. I believed he was the Son of God. I believed he died for my sins, and I believe he rose on the third day, and I believed that he was the only way. I believed all that. But there was still, I was not saved because I had not repented. I would not give up my sin. I did not want to give up my life yeah. uh, and surrender it to him. And and that's the other half of the gospel that's not uh, sometimes preached as, as um, decisively as I think it should be. Uh, you know, the Bible says that, that even the demons believe the facts about Jesus. They, they know he's the son of God and they believe, they tremble. So obviously believing the facts about Christ is not enough. You have to have a, a, a people ask me all the time, what, what is the, what, what's the difference in the difference is surrender. That was the day I surrendered my life to Christ. I'd always believe, but now I surrender my life to him, to follow him and to repent, turning from my old lifestyle uh, and to now follow him in obedience as best as I could at that time. And then of course that's been an erratic process too, but, that's that's the short version. Um, there are a lot more details I could go into, but I think that kind of gives you the the crux of the of, of my conversion. Love that. <laughs> I love that. And you kind of touched on it, but uh, what is the gospel? The gospel. Um, again, I can give you a three-word version up to ten minutes. The gospel. <laughs> the gospel in the in the shortest way that I can say it is salvation for sinners yep. salvation for sinners so then you can break that down it's okay salvation from what to what well salvation from your sins uh, salvation <laughs> it's kind of like salvation to God um, uh, from God um, what I mean by that, that's kind of confusing. I probably shouldn't have said it that way, but <laughs> we're, we're, say, we're saved by God. Jesus was God. Jesus came to earth. Uh, Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus um, bore my uh, penalty for sin. The Bible says that the, the penalty for sin is death. The wages of sin are death. The soul that sins so shall surely die. Um not only physically, but spiritually for all eternity. Um, so, um, you know, we are all headed for death uh, if we don't do something about it. And God in his mercy and grace is richly uh, in his love. Uh, he wants to save us. He wants to save us, but who he wants to save us from is himself. Who is the judge? It's God. Whose wrath will we... Um, will we encounter 
uh, at the judgment. It's God's. So yeah. God came in human flesh basically to save us from himself, <laughs> from, his, from his just wrath and his just judgment. And that's the part of the gospel that's deficient in a lot of places is, you know, we, we want to talk about the love of God, which is absolutely true. We want to talk about the wonderful plan God for, has for our life, which is absolutely true. But we fail sometimes to talk about uh, the fact that God hates sin and will punish the unrepentant in eternity. Okay, so in a nutshell, the gospel is salvation from sinners. The two parts of salvation are belief and faith, which is um, basically the, the flip side of the same coin. And the other side is repentance. And that is absolutely turning from our life and surrendering our, our, uh, all of our being to Christ. Um, that's, that's a simple explanation of the gospel. I love that. Yeah, share that with as many people as possible. <laughs> it's just that's so beautifully like it's such a simple i mean it's three letters or three words sorry but it packs such a punch and it's so real yeah, yeah. salvation for sinners and now who who are sinners everyone all of us everyone yeah so salvation is for everyone now but it's only for people who recognize yeah that they're sinners for those who are self-righteous who think they have no spiritual need that's not meant for you until you recognize you're in spiritual need, that you are deficient. You cannot work your way to God. You cannot do enough good works. Uh, you cannot be good enough. Um, we can't. We can't do it. Um, we have to uh, completely trust in and uh, lean on and believe in the sufficiency of Christ and what he did on the cross and through the resurrection. Absolutely. And there's no saving yourself. You can't save no, yourself. <laughs> no, every false, every false religion in the world is is based on that uh, error that yeah. man uh, has to save himself. He has to do more good than bad to tip the scales in his favor and then at the end hope for the best, that he's done enough yeah. to appease his God. And only biblical Christianity stands out in the sense that we can't do anything and we don't have to christ did it all we have to place all of our hope and our trust in that not in ourselves yeah and yeah. that's what happened to me on october 12 1980 i i gave all that up you know I, I i repented i gave up my lifestyle i quit rebelling against my parents and and immediately my desires changed my priorities changed um, I walked away from my old life and never had a desire to go back, not once. That's regeneration, which comes via the Holy Spirit when we're genuinely saved. That's amazing. <laughs> um, what? Why is evangelism important? Why is evangelism important? Wow. That's a, that's a, we could go in a lot of different directions. <laughs> well, I, I think the first thing that come to mind is if, if we're all, well, first of all, let me say this, it's important because it's important to God. I mean, he commanded us yeah. to, to share the gospel, uh, not only locally, but, but throughout the world. 
uh, we are his amb- people that believe in Christ and have trusted in him are his ambassadors uh, to spread this good news around the world. You know, in Acts, you know, 1-8, um, he said we would be given power to be witnesses for him in where? Um, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, to the, and then to the ends of the earth. So let's break that down for us. Where, where's Jerusalem? It's wherever you live. It's, it's Nashville. This, yeah, it's this place, yeah. Right. Where's Judea? Judea would be our region, Middle Tennessee, Tennessee, you know, uh, maybe the southeast. Uh, the ends of the earth, that's self-explanatory. Uh, you know, and Mark has said to go preach the gospel to every creature. Um, the one that's tricky is Samaria. What is our Samaria? Well, Samaria. Those, those what, who what, aren't what, like us, right? Yeah, those what, who, what those who Samarit- oppose us, yeah. What were the Samaritans to the Jews? They were different. They the outcasts, were, the exiles. The outcasts. The, yeah. So we're also supposed to spread the gospel to those who are not like us. You know, people yeah. that, that we have nothing in common with, maybe outcasts, maybe maybe people that are completely different than us. So, so the, so it was a command. It was not. So you ask me, why is it important? Well, because it was not a suggestion. It was a command. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and the second thing, the second thing is, if we all have eternal life, okay, we're going to spend eternity somewhere. Okay. We're going, it's going to be heaven or hell. It's going to be a glory or judgment. If yeah. that's true, yeah. and I believe that it is, and if Christ is the only way. That, that looks to me like that's the most important message that could ever be shared anywhere in the world with anybody. So that would be the first two ways I'd answer the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For us and for others. It's not just for us and it's not just for others, right? It's important that we act upon that because we're called to do it. And it's important for others that we do that, that we can, yeah, share the blessing of eternity with our creator. Well, Paul tells us in Romans that, you know, nobody will hear unless somebody goes preaches to them. Okay. Yeah. And nobody will go preach to them if they're not sent. So, you know, God in his infinite wisdom designed the, the gospel to be spread by people verbally, by preaching and witnessing and teaching. Uh, that's God's plan. But there is no plan B. I mean, that's the way God spreads the gospel. It's the way it's always been done. It's not with all this technology. It's still people spreading the message. Yeah. Some of these tools could be helpful, um, but uh, but it's still it's still that is God's plan. Is that people do the lifting? Yeah. Um, what are we doing wrong as Christians? What, about, what do you want to start with me or you? <laughs> I guess it's, a, it's kind of a two-part question. Yeah, and it's, it's us. It's all of us. What are we doing wrong as Christians, and are we currently failing in our mission? Oh, wow. Man. These are, these are great questions, but they're not simple answers. Yeah. Um, how are we failing? Who is we, number one? I mean, I would say you and I, and also everyone, just Christians in America, Christians in the Western world, 
Okay, so Wester, let's just stick with questions, North, questions of the North modern American yeah. evangelicals. How about that? Yeah. Oh man, we could spend the rest of the hour on this one. <laughs> uh, and, I, and and you know you know we talk about this all the time. Uh, where do you want to start? Give me give me some parameters. Do you want to start with? <laughs> I guess I mean are we are we do you do you believe that we are failing to spread the gospel to the all corners of the earth? Oh, there's no question. The American church is is disobedient to the command. Yeah. Absolutely disobedient. Um very the, the late most surveys will show that only about 2% of Christians ever share their faith with an unbeliever. 2% if that's true, and I think that's reasonably accurate, maybe it's one, maybe it's five, I don't know. Uh, it's not a lot. Um, if very few people share their faith with non-believers, then we're being disobedient to to that first great command, to the great commandment, the great commission. Um, now, now the question is why? Okay, now that that's where it really gets complicated. Um, Number one, it's not modeled. We're not taught to do that uh, in most. And again, when I say these, make these statements, these are my opinions only, not necessarily Sean's. And yeah. well, um, and just generalizations. We can't. Yeah, this is there's no way to be too, too yeah, there, specific. There's, yeah. there's no way I'm throwing a blanket over everybody here because there are. I know many people that are passionate about sharing the gospel. I know many churches that are extremely missional and passionate about sharing the gospel and about disciple making. Uh, but by and large, it's not a priority for most churches. Most bodies of believers are more interested in, um, you know, entertainment or yeah. uh, fellowship or um, uh, real estate or <laughs> all, all kinds of you know, fellowships, biblical, but a lot of non-biblical priorities. You look at the average American church and, you know, they'll spend 50, 60, 70 percent of their budget on on salaries and benefits for staff and um and the rest on buildings and programs to enjoy and cushion chairs and uh, big screens and and lights and yes. audio equipment and fog machines and, and, and yeah and in <laughs> and, and entertainment's become it's become uh, in a lot of places entertainment uh, driven and you know yeah. what do I like? What? How do you meet my needs? And we've kind of gotten away from the commands of Christ to to um, die to ourselves, take up our cross, and um, and follow Him. And um, uh, so, so I think a lot of it is priorities. Our priorities are not, you know, in places um, biblical. Um, I think materialism probably is the one thing more than anything else that stands in the way of most Christians from obeying the commands of Christ, uh, materialism and the pursuit of pleasure. Yeah. Um, and then with COVID, I would think the third thing has arisen, which I was a little shocked by, but I guess I shouldn't have been, is this, um, this, this overwhelming desire for Christians to preserve their lives above the commands of the gospel. Yeah. So safety and security has become, um, again, in my opinion, 
and, and again, I, I, to answer the question, I think it's now now that I think about this, it's a you ask what's the biggest reason we're not being obedient, and I think it's idolatry. Yep. Safety and yep. security is 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 shown to be idolatrous. That people are they're going to preserve their life and their safety above everything. Well, that's idolatry because that's antithetical to biblical Christianity. You know, there, there's no guarantee following Christ that you're going to be safe and secure. Yeah. <laughs> look, at, look, look, look at the 11, look at the 11, the 12 apostles. Of course, yeah. <laughs> 10 of the 11, we think were martyred. Yeah. Okay. Um, Paul was martyred. I mean, I mean, we we're promised that we're going to be persecuted. We're, so, so this idea that we, 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 we move heaven and earth to preserve our lives and our safety and security, it's not biblical Christianity, and it's certainly idolatrous. And I think the, you combine that with materialism and in the pursuit of pleasure, which is also idolatrous in a lot of ways in America, uh, and you create this failure to to have this urgency to to take this message of reconciliation to the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Safety and stuff. That's kind of my, that's kind of my summary. I've kind of derived from, from what you said in the past, which is that yeah. safety and stuff. we want that comfort. We want that. We want to not be, not be afraid. Right. So we want safety. Look, and, I, and I'm, and, and you said, where do we start? We'll start right there with me. Materialism is a huge issue with all of us. Yeah. We're all rich here in this country compared to most people in the world. Yeah, we're all rich, and uh, uh, so it, it is a constant battle. It's a constant battle in my life. It's a constant battle in in our my household. You know, we're always, you know, praying about and trying to make decisions based on what we should do, what we shouldn't do, and I think I think that starts with a proper understanding of the things that we have are they ours or do what we have belong to God? If we see ourselves as managers, as stewards of what God has given us and, and that we're managing his assets and they're not ours to begin with, then you begin to have a different mindset on how you manage those assets. Are we managing those for, for his glory and for the eternal benefit of others or are we just consuming it in our own pleasure? And that's usually that disconnect is because we don't we do not have the proper understanding of what we have and who it belongs to i, I mean the tithe this is an interesting concept for for a rich man a tithe can be very dangerous because he can believe that he is giving 10 percent of his his money there's that word again of god's money back to god <laughs> uh, uh and then, and then, then he thinks he has the right to spend the other ninety percent any way that he wants, and that's not biblical Christianity either. Um, it's all God's. It's all for His glory. It's all for the advancement of His kingdom. Um, does God want us and allow us to feed our families and have clothes and cars and homes? Absolutely. I'm not saying that there's no room for any of that, but it's it's a mindset that what I have is not mine, um, and it belongs to Him. So again, all this ties together to answer your question about, are we failing? Yes. Why are we failing? That's just a few of the answers. There are many more. Uh, and then we see churches and leadership uh, in many places not modeling biblical Christianity. Yeah. 
you know, it's easy to fall into that trap. Yep. Yeah, and when the church, when the big C church isn't doing it, then like the us church follows. Yep. Right? They're supposed to pastor us. They're supposed to shepherd us. So when the leadership is failing, like what's going to happen to the rest of the flock? It's like we're going to kind of follow in that. We're going to follow them off the cliff, basically. Yeah. I mean, I mean, COVID's a great example. I mean, there are churches in the in this country that are still shut down. Yeah. They yeah. just, they just, they, they're so fearful. They, they will, they rather uh, preserve their life. And again, I'm not, I'm not promoting um, this idea that we need to go out and try to be martyred or get killed for Christ. But you know that that can come with it. Right. Can be part of it. And we shouldn't seek it. We shouldn't seek persecution, but we should accept it and embrace it. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fine line too. Good um, how? So, with all of that, how does a Christian become strong in their faith in these modern times? How does a Christian become strong in his faith? Or to kind of oppose the previous question, like how do we succeed in our mission in these modern times? Well, I mean, obedience. Yeah. Obedience. I mean, I mean, we, we, in a lot of cases, we don't, number one, we, we don't understand the word of God. A lot of people do not, they don't understand what the word says. They don't understand the commands of Christ. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't understand what the word says. And other times people do understand it and are just disobedient. They just don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, it's somebody else's job yeah. and somebody else's responsibility. <laughs> so so it, it starts with a, with a proper understanding of the scriptures. Um, uh, and then, it, and then, and then obedience uh, comes into play. You know, are we still rebellious at heart? Uh, you know, just, just disregarding the commands of Christ, um, or are we trying to live obediently uh, to the call? And so it starts with, with you know, you know, you know, Sean and I are together a lot. You know, how much time do what are, what what what's important to us? How much to, how much time do we spend in the Word alone? Yeah. And so I'd ask your audience that: How much time do you spend in the Word alone daily? Yeah, or weekly, or whatever. Uh, you know, if you can't readily answer that question, that's where you got to start. Is is time in the Word, time in prayer, um, uh, time in fellowship with other like-minded believers that'll keep you accountable. Um, I mean, it's the basics. It's blocking and tackling. Um, so there's a lot of things we could be doing better. But 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 in my experience. The problems start with a lack of understanding of what the scriptures teach for most people, yeah. for a lot of yeah. people. And you can't obey if you don't know what you're obeying. <laughs> you can't, you yeah. can't serve if you don't know who you're serving and what, what the purpose yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Great Commission was go make, go make disciples, teaching them to obey what I've commanded you. Okay, what did he command? Yeah. You know? You know, it starts right there. And in in modern evangelicalism, uh, people have fled from the hard demands of Christ. Uh, fled. You yeah. know, they, 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 they don't want to they don't, they don't talk about 
uh, losing your life to save it. They don't talk about picking up your cross daily. People don't want to teach denying yourself yeah. uh, because those are hard. Yeah. You know, those are, those are hard commands. Um, uh, and again, it gets it all ties back into this the idolatry of materialism and pursuit of pleasure and safety and security and you know it's it's easier certainly it's easier to not live that way but it's certainly not beneficial to to the kingdom and it certainly doesn't glorify god and it's certainly not his plan uh as we're being sanctified to be more christ-like so you know that's always a good test is what is the pattern of your life what is the direction of your life um are you more christ-like than you were five years ago if you're a believer yeah or not if not, maybe time to step back and take a good, long, hard look at why that might be. Why am I not more Christ-like? You know, uh, is is the pattern of sin in my life decreasing? I mean, just because you're a believer, you still sin. Uh, we still struggle with the old nature. Uh, but we should see a pattern or a direction of our life where, where you see a decreasing pattern of sin in your life as you get older and you're more sanctified, or you should be more sanctified and more Christ-like. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm rambling. I'm all over No, no, please, ramble on. <laughs> ramble on. Um, how, how, how does one, like how do people restore the creator-created relationship? I don't know if I understand that question. <laughs> um, how do how does one how does how does a person return to their father in heaven? Like I like to use that phrase, both those phrases. Like we need to restore the creator created relationship, the creator with his creation. Or how does one return to their heavenly father? When you say return, are you talking about an unbeliever or, or a believer? Yes. Yeah. Like, like, I guess to, yeah, to put it simply, like, how does an unbeliever, um, enter into the kingdom of heaven? Like, what is the process that one would need to take? Well, you're back to the gospel. Right. Yeah. Right. You're back to the, you're back to the question of what is the gospel? Well, boy, that's a long, could be a long <laughs> answer. So again, in a, let's just deal with Americans here because uh, it's different in other places of the world. But Americans, you know, the first commandment is what? You shall have no other gods before me, right? I think the first commandment is the first commandment for a reason because, because God knows our heart and that, that we're, you know, our hearts are wicked and evil to the core. And if left our own devices, we're, we're going to have a God. Everybody's going to have a God. Okay. All believers worship the true God, and all unbelievers worship a God. And for most unbelievers, in my experience, the God that they worship is themselves. They've created a God that basically fits what they want. Um, you know, um, they, they can decide what's sinful and what's not, and then pattern their lives after that. So, so we need to have, a, to answer your question, a proper understanding of that that we are i mean you got to have a proper biblical worldview i guess to answer that question so 
a biblical worldview is is basically you know for a Christian it's creation fall redemption and consummation okay yeah you know the, that's the four tenets of in my my idea of, of biblical Christianity and and all um, worldviews answer some basic questions who who am I is the first one why am I here is two third one is what's wrong with the world and fourth how can the world be made right those, those are the the four questions that every worldview has to be able to answer right so 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 let's look at the four questions through biblical Christianity and then let's look at the four questions through um, uh, cultural whatever so first question who are we you know, who am I so the world would say at least a lot of the world that we are you know we're we, we came Slump, from nothing. Pond, pond scum that evolved yeah, there was, there was, <laughs> a monkey sudden, or something <laughs> yeah and often here I am you know I, yeah. I was I was um you know, somehow there was space dust. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> yeah. it, it evolved into primordial slime and then to some, you know, bacteria and then somehow to an ape and then the zoo. And now here we are, which is obviously total nonsense. But that's what the world, a lot of the world believes. Yeah. Is, yeah. is, but, but in, in, in biblical Christianity, who we are is we're the crowning jewel of God's creation. He created all things. Yeah. And at the end, he created man in his own image. So we're not just created, but we're the crowning jewel of his creation. Yeah. And we're created in his image to have a relationship with him. And so that's how you answer the first question versus the world. The second one is, is why am I here? You know, um, well, the world would tell you we're here to have fun. Live it up. <laughs> yeah. Eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. Yeah. Right, uh, uh, but we know as Christians we're here to glorify God. Our lives will be a reflection of that, and everything that we do are, is to glorify God. Um, so that's the difference between a biblical worldview and, and culture or the world. The third question is, what's wrong with the world? Okay, well the the world would say, what's wrong with the world? Well, we have insufficient government, we have insufficient resources. We have insufficient education. We have insufficient science. We have insufficient discovery. We have insufficient resources or money or wealth. But that's the problem. Okay? Biblical Christianity says no. Those may be real, but the real issue is sin. Yeah. Those problems are not going to be solved outside of the recognition of sin. And then... The fourth question, how can the world be made right? Well, the world would say, okay, if there's insufficient resources, if there's insufficient education, if there's insufficient um, government, if there's insufficient science, if there's insufficient discovery, we need more of all that, more, better. Uh, but biblical Christianity, you know, although those things can be good, won't solve the sin problem. The sin problem 
you know, what can be, how can the world be made right? And that is uh, through uh, the sufficiency of the cross. That's the only way the world's going to be made right. That's why any life is going to be made right, uh, is in the sufficiency of the cross. So that's just a real quick overview of, you know, how, how do we, you know, restore ourselves back to the creator? Well, first we have to understand that he's the creator, uh, that we're made in his image, that we've fallen because of our sin and we're separated from God. And yeah. we're hopeless. We're hopeless in our separation. There's no hope. Uh, we're going to face the wrath of a just judge someday uh, unless we accept his pardon. And his pardon is only one way. Through the cross, through the sun. Through the cross. Yeah. <laughs> Does that answer your question? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Masterfully, yeah. <laughs> um, um, so without giving out like too many details about your work, can you explain how you found ways to share the gospel with coworkers and clients? I just do it. Just, <laughs> you know, be, be intentional. Uh, uh, for me, I mean, it, how, how did I learn to do it? Honestly, for me, I learned to do it because I started participating in um, uh, international mission trips. Um, and it changed my life. Uh, when you go to places, you know, around the world where people have no access to the gospel or have limited access to the gospel, and a lot of times there's no written, no, no copies of the written word and how precious it is, and you see the desperation uh, that people have in places around the world because they, they have no hope, uh, it'll change you. And so I would say the way I've learned is first trying to be obedient to the call in uh, the command to spread the gospel worldwide. And so because of that, I think I've God has granted me a desire to be a witness back here. And so, now if you want to get into techniques, is that what you're asking or are you just asking in general? Where does the desire come from? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, or like both. examples and strategies. Like how does, you know, how, does, how, does, how do people in our like Western civilization, American, you know, that whole, our life is pretty comfortable. We go to work, we have big houses, we have social circles and stuff. How do we effectively share the gospel? Like in our life. Well, ideally, and I guess how I guess I guess how do we, and then how do how have you done that? Well, ideally, you want to you want to you want to build relationships. Okay, you 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 want to you want to take the time to get to know somebody and 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 really pour into their life and share with them. But the the problem with that is that's going to really limit you on on the on encounters, on, on, on your witness life, because there, there are many times where I have an opportunity to witness to somebody that I'm, I'm only going to see one time for just a couple of minutes. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe it's in an airport, maybe it's on the street, maybe it's in a restaurant, maybe it's a little bit longer on an airplane, maybe it's, so there's not one strategy. I, I think that, I think you start with this intentionality that, 
you get up every day. For me, it starts with this. When my feet hit the floor in the morning, the first prayer that I have before I ever walk in the bathroom is, thank, I thank God for the day, and I pray that he will use me in his kingdom work, whatever that might look like. Yeah. You know, um, how can I build, how can I build the kingdom today? Like what block right, am right. I so, adding so, to the, so, so it's blocking and tackling. You start with the, what, with today, how do I, so, so you go out the door with this intentionality that, that, that everybody that comes in your path is a potential divine appointment, you know, yeah. the, 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 the delivery man that comes walks up to your door to give you a package from, from Amazon or UPS. Potential conversation right there. Yeah. Uh, everywhere you go, everybody you meet, people on the street. Um, you know, there, there's all kinds of techniques. I, I mean, I sometimes I'll I'll just walk up to somebody and introduce myself and, and just ask them if they've ever heard the gospel. That's, yeah. that, sounds, that sounds crazy, but some people say, yeah, I've heard the gospel. Others say, no, I've never heard the gospel. Some will say, I don't want to hear it. Some will say, <laughs> some will say, if I ask, they'll let me tell them. Uh, a lot of people say they've heard the gospel, and then you ask them, really, do you mind sharing with me what you think the gospel is? And they don't have a clue what the gospel is. <laughs> so, yeah. some kind of music, right? Some kind of yeah. Again, ideally, you want to you want to build a relationship with somebody, get to know them, but that's that's a you know that's time consuming, and and you certainly don't want to limit. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. You should. But you don't want to limit yourself to just those kind of encounters. Uh, you know, every time you're on a plane by someone or in a restaurant next to someone or you're sitting on a park bench by someone or, you know, and you're talking to them about anything, that's that's a chance to have a gospel conversation, as the modern church likes to put it. Now, you want to try to make sure your, your conversations lead to more than something like hey well in god great okay yeah of course god's great but but we we've got to to figure out a way to move the conversation along to a a real gospel conversation about what the gospel is and why it's important to them and and again a lot of it's practice you know don't be afraid to to go out and blow it you because you're going to you know a lot of it's just trial and error you know trying to trying to to practice and and again there's no the more you know about the word the more you can recall scripture the easier it, that it that it becomes yeah yeah that's what i'm working on now <laughs> i have such a bad memory that i like i'm trying to really especially like key verses like key impactful verses and like parables i'm really trying to like not memorize it just for the sake of memorizing it, but like really be able to like understand and explain things. And you can see it, like you can, I don't know. <laughs> I think that really does help. Um, what, what is a man? <laughs> a man, wow. Well, it's not what the world tells you. Yeah. You know, um, I think a man is, you know, the, the manliest of men will be the ones that love Jesus. 
Yeah. Yes, it starts there. A true love for the Savior, because we, if you love the Savior, the more you love the Savior, the more you're going to surrender your life to Him. The more you surrender your life to Him, the more you're going to be willing to sacrifice for Him. And you 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 begin to give up on safety and security. You begin to give up on materialism. You get you begin to give up on on um, uh, pursuit of pleasure as your goal in life, and you're willing to risk it. Okay, not not because you're tough because you love the Savior, okay? Now, if you love the Savior and you live that life, you're gonna to be tough. You don't think Paul wasn't tough, <laughs> Peter? Okay, yeah. they had to be tough, okay? Get, a, get up after uh, a stoning and then just get right, walk yeah. right back into town and start preaching the gospel again, yeah. yeah. And, and again, it's not, and I don't, want to, I don't want to lead anybody in the wrong direction. It's not by my strength, it's not by anybody's strength that they're gonna be a man. Okay, it's going to be with a constant, you know, presence and filling of the Holy Spirit yeah. that only a believer has. Yeah. Okay, so you're not going to have the Holy Spirit if you're not saved. You're not going to love Jesus if you're not saved. Um, so it all gets back to the gospel, and then and then and then once you you are saved, is that again that intentionality to be obedient, to to spend lots of time in the Word, lots of time in prayer. Lots of time being intentional about walking out your faith. Um, you know, fruits of the Spirit. Um, and, and, and examine yourself on a regu regular basis to see how you're doing. You know, have other people in your life that, that, are, that you're accountable to that will tell you how you're doing. You yeah. know? Yeah. How, how, how you really need to work on this. And, and people are trying to do this alone, and God didn't intend for us to do this alone. Uh, it's it's intended to be done with with community, but but I'll tell you, the smaller the group, the better. Um, it's hard to really be intentional with a couple hundred people because the larger the group, the less people are inclined to really be honest in their conversation. But you get it down to four or five men who, you know make a decision that we're going to be iron that sharpens iron and that's where real discipleship can take place or women yeah. it doesn't be men yeah. um good question <laughs> yeah, yeah i love that well similarly i guess oppositely um what is a woman same thing yeah I mean, a, a, a true woman is a woman that loves Jesus and is led by the Holy Spirit into obedience and faithfulness and trust. Uh, I mean, I mean, she's completely different than a man, but it, it still comes back to the same thing. Um, um, wish my wife was in here. I'd let her answer that question. <laughs> yeah. Um, are men failing women today? Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure, men don't love their wives as Christ loves the church. And because they don't, women won't submit to their husbands. See, if it's really not hard, I wouldn't think. If, if, a, if a man truly loves his wife as Christ loves the church, then she's going to trust him so much that it's not going to be a problem for him, for her to take leadership from her husband because yeah. she knows that everything he does is in her best interest. 
Now, is it hard? Is it hard to do? Absolutely, it's hard to do. But, that, <laughs> but that's the biblical picture of of so men are not loving their wives as Christ loved the church, and then the whole thing begins to break down from there. And, and again, it gets back to this. It gets it gets back to understanding the word and obedience. I mean, we live in a culture where, again, this is touchy, but it's true that. The divorce rate in the church is about as high as it is outside the church. Okay, that's a complete and utter failure. You know, um, so the whole thing breaks down at that point. Uh, you know, God hates divorce, and we're never intended to divorce, ever. Um, but but it's rampant in the North American evangelical church. Uh, I don't know what the latest statistics are, but it's not much different. The divorce rate inside the church and out is not much different at all. There's something wrong there. Yeah. And it's, a, again, it's it's not understanding the word. It's obedience to the word. It's, again, when you have this concept that that my Christian walk is how to make me happy, how to give me pleasure, it gets right back into that pursuit of pleasure, materialism, safety and security mindset, which is again not biblical Christianity. The the essence of the Christian life is losing your life for others. Yeah. Including your wife. And and and, and this is hard. You <laughs> tell me this was this hard. <laughs> Tricked you, fell into the trap. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, do you have anger? Oh yeah, I have an anger problem. Yeah, that that may be my weakest, uh, you know, patience and, um, you know, I've really been angry the last two years um, at the church. Not any particular church, just the American church and its failure through COVID. Um, and I've really been angry. A lot of my uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord uh, that have not seen through a lot of the deception that's going on. I don't understand that. And that's been, a real, <laughs> and, and I'll be honest, that's been a real struggle for me. And I've, I have dealt with some anger, and it's robbed me of some peace. Uh, in some joy because of that, because it's not God's way. I mean, th th there is, you know, I think there's a time to have righteous anger, but it can really fester into a problem. And that's, so yes, I, I do get angry and uh, it's not always righteous anger. Do you have fear? Yes. Yeah. I do, I do have, I do have some fears. Um, that's another real problem of mine. Um, you know, fear comes from um, a lack of trust. You know, sometimes I don't trust the Lord the way I should. And and the other thing that, that leads to fear, and the other thing that leads to fear is idolatry. Probably more than any, again, I, I hate to keep harping on the same things, but I believe it's all no. tied together. Yeah. When, when, we, when we cling to things in this world above God, when we love other things above God, when we follow other things more than Jesus, that's idolatry. So when God rips those from our hands or threatens those, 
it can be, it can become fearful because we put our trust in the wrong place. So I think that's the way I would answer the fear question for most of us. Yep. We, we, we treasure something more than we treasure God and that's idolatry. And so it's, it's got to lead. If you're a true believer, it has to lead to fear because that has to go. That, that priority has to change and it's going to be painful and it's going to be fearful when, when, you know, when it's ripped out of our, our, our mitt, our hands. Yeah. Can Christians live a conflict free life? No, no. My wife yelled out, no. <laughs> so that means the answer is no. She said it, it has to be true. But yeah. she's right. Yeah. Well, and why? Again, it's, what does the Bible say? What does scripture say? So those that, that yeah. try to live righteously are going to be persecuted. You will, okay. be, you will be hated for your faith in me. Right. And the other way, the other reason you're going to be persecuted is that the message of the cross is offensive to a lost world. Okay. If the message of the cross is offensive to a lost world, and if we're ambassadors for that message and we're commissioned to carry that message everywhere, then you add that up. It's logical that we're going to be offending people, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have, you have, you're going to be offending people, and and so there's, there has to be conflict by 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 design. Has to be. Yeah. The the message of the cross is offensive. I mean, the thing the world struggles with most is the fact that the scriptures say there's only one way to be reconciled to God. That message alone is what offends the world. It's not that there is a God. Most see, I don't think there's such thing as an atheist, uh, because Scripture says there's no such thing as an atheist. That God says He's planted the knowledge of Himself in every heart. I think everybody knows there's a God. Now they can send their way into a hardness of, the, of heart that maybe they get to a point where they really believe there's no God. But but I don't think it was always that way. I don't think there's such thing as an atheist, yeah. an honest atheist. Um, and we were designed to worship. So you're going right, to worship but, something, right? But, but people you pretend are offended, it's nothing. But people are offended that that Jesus claims that he's the only way. Even yeah. Christians, I saw a stat this morning. I don't know if it's true, but somebody on television on, on a show that I won't mention said some of the latest polls show that evangelical Christians believe that Jesus that 70%, 70% of all evangelical Christians believe that Jesus is not the only way to God. Now that's a problem. <laughs> that's yeah. a problem. Yeah, that seems far too high. <laughs> but see, but see we, we, we're, in a, we're in a situation where the church has been conditioned to be, have a mindset to please men rather than yeah. please God. Yeah. So we want we want to be liked by the world. We want to please the world, and and that means we're watering down the gospel message, and which inevitably is going to lead to these kind of statistics where people even get to the point where they believe, well, surely God won't exclude a, a faithful Muslim. Okay, but Scripture's clear that Jesus is the only way. 
Yeah. And that's offensive to the to the world. So yes, because of that, there has to be there has to be conflict, and Scripture promised us we'd have it. Yeah. We, and we do have it. <laughs> uh, do you love all people? Do I love them? No, I don't love all people. I should. I'm, <laughs> I'm commanded to. I, I was praying for a lady just a, a little while ago. I was praying for three people in my life that are sick. Okay? Two, two of the people I love. The other person, I, I know who she is, but I don't have a relationship with her. So, do I love her? I love her enough to pray for her. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would say that's love. Uh, but no, I, I don't. I don't love. Uh, let me put it this way: I certainly don't love everyone the way I should. I do. I do try to pray yeah. for the lost people in my life, even people that I don't have a relationship with, even people that I don't have a good relationship with. I still try to pray for their spiritual well-being. But if I really, really love that person. I'd be pleading with them about their soul, would I not? Yeah. So, I'm trying to give you honest answers. No. <laughs> no I do not love yeah. everybody um, the way I should. Yeah. See, I would I would disagree with you on that because I think you do love these people. If you're praying for someone, if you're willing to forgive them, if you're willing to tell them the truth, you love them. And I think a lot of times people say they love someone like I love my mom, you know, but are they really telling their mom the truth? Like, are they really like, like, like you said, like, are they sharing the gospel with them? I mean, if your mom dies, is she really going to be joining you in heaven or not? And are you willing to like be offensive to your mom and make sure that she's entering into heaven with you? That would be love. Not just like telling her nice things to make her feel good or telling her, things to kind of make her want to like be your friend and friendly with you. Um, I just see love as something that's like bigger and grander than just um, being nice to someone or having a relationship like socially with someone or having good feelings for someone. I think it's more about, are you willing to forgive people? Are you willing to tell them the truth they need to hear? Um, and are you willing to pray for them? I think that's love, you know, <laughs> even if you barely know the person. I do. I do agree with part of that. I do. I do think that the world's definition of love is, you know, to be nice and don't offend and those kind of things. But I don't. I don't think it's love if it's no, if there's no truth involved. Um, if you don't get to the truth of the gospel, you really don't love anybody. Yeah. Um, because that's the essence of love is 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 someone's soul. Now, where my, where I'm guilty is. I can do it to the point of just being combative, you know, just sharing the gospel to be combative with somebody that wants to be combative. And that's not love. And that's, that's when your heart's in the wrong place. And God's not going to honor that. Although I think he can take any gospel presentation and use it for his glory. Even if you, if your heart's not right, Yeah. Uh, but that's not God honoring. And I've been guilty of that many times just to be combative, being a combative conversation and just, share the gospel out of pure spite, you know, yeah, just, 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 just to do it. Uh, That's like a homework assignment. <laughs> yeah. I'm guilty yeah. Of that. I've done that before. 
that's certainly not ideal. Yeah. Uh, what is the significance of John chapter three and the, um, Jesus's discussion with Nicodemus? Oh, it's 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 everything because it's the gospel in a nutshell, and it's a guy. It's a it's a. I think for our day and time, what what was what was Nicodemus? Nicodemus was a religious unbeliever. Okay, he was religious. Yeah. He was he was. He was a checkered yeah. uh, member of his uh, of his religion, but Jesus called him out and said, "You don't believe. You don't even believe the own, your own scriptures that you should know." Uh, and then that's the great born again segment that we have to be born from above uh, to enter the kingdom of God, and that's born of the Spirit. And uh, so, how it why is it important is one of one of the biggest concerns I have for the for the North American church is the fact that I believe that many in the church pews are like Nicodemus. They're religious unbelievers. Yeah. You know, they're religious. They 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 associate with Jesus. They 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 claim to know him. Uh they might go to church. They might join the church. They might even get baptized. Uh, they might go to Sunday school class, uh, might give a little money to the church, whatever. Yeah. But but their hearts are not in it. Jesus knows their heart. Their lives produce no fruit. Uh, their their lives outside of church are indistinguishable for, from unbelievers. Uh, and I think churches are full of people like that. Um, uh, I've been like that before. Okay, you can be a believer and and enter a season of uh, lethargy, uh, no doubt. But 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 scriptures are clear. If you if you live your life, you know, with no spiritual fruit, I think I think there are reasons to be concerned. Matthew seven, you know, probably ties into John chapter three in a lot of ways, Sean, because. You know, Matthew 7 is the, you know, probably the most sobering passage in the Bible where, um, you know, Jesus said that, you know, many who called him Lord won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Only who those who did the will of the Father. You know, many prophesied in his name, many cast out demons in his name, many did this in his name, saying, Lord, Lord. And he said, I don't know you. I don't know you. And at the first part of uh, Matthew chapter 7, he describes the two gates and the two ways. You know, the wide gate and the narrow gate. The, narrow the broad gate. way and the narrow way. And Jesus is talking to religious people in this passage. He's not talking to pagans. He's talking to people who think that they're reconciled to God. And he's telling them that most of you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Because you don't know me. Your heart is not right with me. It's a very sobering passage. a very frightening passage. And I think it gets back to a lot of to that John chapter three passage of Nicodemus, who was the example of a religious unbeliever. Now we believe by what happened in John chapter seven and John chapter 19, we read that, that Nicodemus did become a believer. All the evidence yeah. points that he did, but at that point he was not in John chapter three. Great question. Yeah. Well, these, so these next three questions are I'm, I'm flipping it around on you because I've heard you ask people these questions and I want your answer to them. 
Oh, no. These are like the greatest questions I've ever heard. (laughs) Have you ever been attacked for your faith? I guess in a way, you know, not really. I've been ridiculed for my faith. Yeah. Um, uh, You know, I've been made fun of for my faith. I've been called names for my faith. I've been, I've been shunned for my faith. I think I've had clients, uh, I'm in the financial services industry. I think I've had clients that have moved their account because they hated my faith. Okay. So I guess to an American, that would seem like attacks. Um, I've not been attacked in the sense that I've been threatened. My life's been threatened. Although there was that time in Venezuela where we were witnessing on the street and this guy came up to us and threatened to kill us, but, <laughs> wow. but, he, but, he, but he didn't actually attack us. So that was just the verbal, just words. Uh, yeah. It was just words. So that was not a real attack. Um, but if, but it is a great question. It's one we ought to ask. I mean, if we live our life and there's, you, you've had no conflict with others over your faith, you know, that's, I'm talking about the unbelieving world. That, that would be a problem. Yeah. So I guess to an American, I have, I don't like the word attacked. I don't know that I've been physically attacked, but certainly economically and verbally and those ways I have been. Yeah. Well, spiritually. I've been, and, I've been, and I've been blackballed in a couple of places yeah. over my faith. Uh, so, you know, the more I think about it, I guess there has been some, some occasions, but not enough. <laughs> yeah. Has your faith ever cost you anything? Yeah. Yeah. It's cost me lots of things. It's, it's cost me clients in my business. It's cost me, uh, decisions that would have been, um, maybe pleasurable. Um, uh, you know, my faith has cost money, uh, in the sense that I've done some things clearly against the spirit financially that came back to bite me when I knew God didn't want me to do something. I did it anyway. And they were always a failure. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, it's, you know, sometimes it's your faith. Sometimes it's not obeying your faith. It'll cost you something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and has, has your life been transformed after encountering Jesus? Yes. My, my, my conversion was, I mean, looking back on it, I didn't think it was all that radical at the time, but looking back on it, the things that I was involved in when I got saved and how I was immersed in a certain culture and lifestyle. And five minutes after I left the church that day, I had such a weight off me and such a change I didn't even have a desire to do those things anymore. I didn't even want to do it anymore, and I didn't. And that's that's not that was not in my own strength. That was, I, I think, proof of genuine conversion. The Holy Spirit resided, you know, now resides in me, or and and I had a regenerated heart. Once you have a regenerated heart, when you're saved, your priorities should change. Your desires should begin to change. Maybe they don't change completely overnight, but mine changed completely 
overnight. Yeah. I gave up things yeah. that day that I that I've never gone back to. I that I've never had an interest in going back to. Now that doesn't mean that it's perfect. I, I mean, I sin all the time uh, with other things. You know, anger. We talked about pride, um, arrogance, lying. You know, that's my biggest problem. Is you know, not telling the whole truth or exaggerations or whatever. So, you know, that's the old nature that you have to battle constantly as your inner man, as your spiritual man grows. But but I saw a radical change when I got saved, walking away from a certain lifestyle. Again, it wasn't just willing myself to do it. I didn't want to do it anymore. Just suddenly. That's 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 um, that's a regenerate heart. And only the Holy Spirit can do that through Christ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Do, do you have any advice for young men in these modern times? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, basically what we've been talking about, you know. Yeah. Are you, you know, what, what do you, here's the question. Are you, if you're a young man and you are a follower of Christ or claim to be, do you have both feet in the kingdom or are you trying to keep one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom and straddle it? Yeah. That's not going to work. God's not going to let you. If you're a true believer, God's not going to let you stay there. If he lets you stay there, you're not a true believer. Okay. So if you've got one foot in the world and you're a young man and a lot of young men, you know, struggle with this. A lot of old men struggle with this. They, they still want to cling to that old life, those old pet sins, whatever it might be, and they want Jesus some of the time. You know, yeah. it doesn't work that way. I mean, surrender is surrender, and so my advice is recognize that you're trying to keep one foot in the world, and um, and put both feet in the kingdom, and get serious, get intentional about your faith. And my advice would be this. Uh, recognize that you have no time, none. If you're 25 years old, you've got about 10 minutes and you're going to be dead in the grand scheme of things. You've got no time. Make your time count for the kingdom. Don't pursue things that have no eternal value. Yeah. Okay. Use your time wisely. Use your time to pursue things that have eternal value things that glorify God, things that will reverberate through eternity, not pleasure, not materialism, not, you know, safety, not security. Um, those things are fleeting. They're all going to be burned up in the judgment. So pursue things that have eternal value. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then whatever you need to accomplish those purposes, he'll give you. That's a promise. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Hey, guess what? That's all in scripture. I didn't make any of that up. Oh, I love that. Read, yeah. You can read it for yourself. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's one of my favorite passages, but I always shorten it to God in his right ways. Okay. But yeah. I, I'm in Deuteronomy, you know, in <laughs> right now, and, yeah. you know, over and over. If, you keep my commands, if you keep my statutes, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, then blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. But if you forsake the Lord your God, if you turn to other gods, 
then it's curse after curse after curse after yeah. curse after curse and still applies yeah applies. that's that's a great point i'm in ecclesiastes right now i'm doing a deep dive on that and it's almost the opposite it's like basically like life life is horrible life sucks like life the whole point is like vanity your whole life is just vanity yeah. unless you have god yeah so it's like with the apps it's like almost the opposite view it's like not turning away from god it's like if you don't turn towards god life is just meaningless everything is silly and stupid and horrible and <laughs> it's yeah, kind of depressing but when you when you realize the end is but with god everything is so powerful so meaningful so beautiful good true yeah. and beautiful yeah the class dynasties is kind of dark until you get to the very end yeah he <laughs> finally gets to the point okay yeah, but if you do this yeah, you're, you're a wise man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any recommendations for the church? Repent. Yeah. Repent. I mean, church. Yeah. The, again, that's a broad statement. Right. Yeah. Which, right. which does not apply to all churches, but but by and large, the North American church needs to repent and get back to biblical Christianity, biblical priorities. Uh, quit building man-made kingdoms on earth that that are entertainment based and uh and repent and you know you can read the you know a lot you can read the seven churches of revelation and the warnings that jesus gave to those and apply those to the american church in a lot of cases now yeah um so the last two questions here for you um do you have any questions for me? Questions? Um, why are you doing this? That's where, a good. Where, that, where, that is a good question. <laughs> why, why are you? You do this? Is it once a week? Once a month? How often are you doing this? Once a week? Once a week? Yeah. Why? Why do you do this? What are you trying to accomplish? The short version of a long story is when I was still in my fallen state, which, you know, I converted two and a half years ago. So I'm a baby Christian. <laughs> I was, you know, four or five years ago, I was making like comedy podcasts and doing like funny things. Like all my friends were in like bands and they were comedians out in uh, California. And we would just be, you know, getting drunk and trying to be funny on a podcast. You know, we would get high, we'd smoke weed and make funny podcasts and stuff. Yep. So then, of course, you know, you encounter Christ. And like you said, it's just like everything changes. I just, you know, sober, just everything totally like all of what I was doing. The people I knew were just abandoning me or I was leaving them behind because they were just not helping me in my journey towards Christ, towards the kingdom. And I kind of looked at myself and I was like, well, I don't think that was a mistake that I built up all these skills, these like social skills, these like technical skills all the stuff I was doing with these podcasts and video making and like video photo editing. So I just decided like, how do I use that to glorify God? And also like I'd started realizing my testimony was really powerful. So I basically am just using this as a way, like using the skill set that I've got that I've acquired with also like using that to promote my story and maybe inspire people or encourage people to turn away from that life if they were living in a similar life of you know where I was then and seeing me and seeing my journey and seeing my progression and then you know 
walking with me or <laughs> carrying behind me or even helping me in some ways um, lead me towards the kingdom. And we're on episode, I think this is 75. Yay. And <laughs> episode one was literally the first day of um, I packed my bag, I packed my car and I was moving from California to Tennessee. I had no job. I had no friends in Nashville. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was literally homeless. I didn't have enough money saved up, but I just felt God bringing me to Nashville for some reason. It was like a mystery at the moment. So I just decided, you know what? I'll just do a live stream and document my journey. So I'm like, you know, the early episodes, you can see me really like struggling with a lot of theological issues because I'd never really been to church. I didn't have mentors pouring into me. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just kind of reading the Bible for the first time. And I was like homeless, you know? (laughs) you can see all the you can like see the journey of my life and like you know at this point it's just basically a diary it's basically a collection of my journey my my growth my my um upward journey the battles i've faced the changes in my life the people i've encountered like yourself that have positively impacted me and (laughs) i want to help you know share to the world but yeah, the, the simple, simplified summary is it's just a documentation of me seeking Christ and seeking God in his right ways, right? And trying to put this out there so that other people can either join me or be encouraged by that journey and do it for themselves. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Which gets back to I didn't, one, one of the techniques I didn't answer earlier. We were talking about techniques, and that is the easiest technique, obviously, in sharing the gospel is giving your testimony. Thank you for bringing this up because yeah. I failed to I failed to answer that part no, of it no, earlier, no, no. and you know when you're asking these questions off the top of your head, I'm trying to think and I don't always think they're all the answers. But that's that is always the best and easiest way to share is just you know if you're in a conversation with someone, can I tell you a story about something that happened to me, and yeah. go, you know, yeah. <laughs> everybody everybody needs to have a three minute thumbnail testimony what you might say an elevator testimony, something you can give in three minutes. Yep. So if you got a 10 minute testimony, scale it down to three minutes where you can tell it anywhere at any time. So thank you for reminding me of that and good answer. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) Um, My final question, last question for you. Actually, before we do my final question, um, do you have any like shout outs or do you want to like tell anyone to like, look something up like a website or a, a a program or anything i guess any like just shout outs advice any plugs any promotions you want to give hmm i didn't thought of that you, think of anything? <laughs> you don't need to i'll just just if you have any uh, look i'm i'm i read all the time i mean um you know things other than the bible i, I read theology and, and uh, uh, like I'm reading a book right now by uh, Ray Comfort about how to witness to an atheist. Again, I don't really believe there's such thing as an atheist, but there are, things, there are people that believe they're atheists. So yeah. they're, just, they're just all kinds of great authors that have written great, you know, books on, on any subject imaginable. Uh, uh, I just finished... Um, for probably the third time, the Jesus, uh, the Gospel According to Jesus by John MacArthur. Yeah. Um, I'd recommend every 
Christian and even non-Christians if they'd read it. Um, it is the clearest doctrinal book I've ever read on 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 biblical Christianity, on, on the gospel and what is the gospel. Um, so there's one. Um, I, I, you know, if I thought about it a while, I could probably come up with a lot, but, uh, but you don't need that. I mean, you, you need a great study Bible and you need a great group of believers to, 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 you know, for iron to sharpen iron. That's, that's the main thing. And, and, you know, fi- try to find a biblical church as best you can, uh, with a strong group of believers, with a, with a real Bible believing Bible preaching pastor, um, you know, again, basic blocking and tackling. We're not, we're not made to do this alone. Yeah. All right. Love that. So my final question, last question. I thought the other one was the last question. <laughs> this, this is the last question. Final question. Did you have a fun time tonight? It's a little stressful. <laughs> I, d- I doubt that. That's a... <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not, I, I, I don't know that I've ever been, I probably have been interviewed in churches before on stage, but never over uh, a Zoom call where I <laughs> had questions given me one after the other that I didn't see in advance, by the way. Yeah. So never, I, I never give them out in advance. I have I didn't, to. I didn't know <laughs> so that part's a little stressful. I, it is fun. I do really enjoy, and I mean this, I do enjoy sharing the gospel with an unbeliever i do i love that i love doing it i think it's the most important thing i can do and i don't know who's on this call or who will listen to it later but i would assume at some point there'll be someone who's an unbeliever that's going to hear this and and it's thrilling to know that god can use a broken vessel like me to share the contents of the most beautiful message on earth with another broken vessel God uses broken vessels to reach yeah. other broken vessels. It's the craziest thing in the world, but that's the way he designed it. Yeah. And, I, and I, yeah. so when I get to do that, I think it's a beautiful thing, and I love doing it. So, you know, and I would also leave this, Sean, because I don't mind. You know, people can contact you if there's anyone out there that would like to talk more about, especially whether it's a believer or especially an unbeliever, about uh, coming to faith in Christ. I would love to have a deeper conversation with anybody that wants to do that. That invitation yeah. is open. If there, if you'll contact Sean, uh, yeah. I'll get with you, and we'll we'll have that conversation over a cup of coffee or phone or whatever. Deal. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love that. Deal. And he is a man of his word. He he does do that. Yeah, I've had I've had non-believers. You know, I've had at least three that have reached out to me that have said, you know what, I totally thought like. You know, I just thought Jesus was fake or stupid or just, I've you know, I was born a Christian and I fell away from the faith because I just hated everything about it. And they've like randomly stumbled on my stream for whatever reason. And then we either have a conversation or they kind of come back to me like a year later and are like, man, you really inspired me to like start reading. Like you really, and that's like sometimes too, they're like, this stream was the one that inspired me. And I'm like, that one? <laughs> I'm like, I thought that one was bad. I was going to delete that. I was kind of embarrassed over it, you know? So you really don't know when and where non-believers will just, where that seed will be planted, you know? And you might not even be watering it or fertilizing it, but you've just planted that one seed and you might not ever know it. Or you might have some random guy with a screen name send you a text message uh, (laughs) telling you it happened. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, I'll make that offer. So I love that. Yeah. Anybody, anybody want to reach out? I'm happy to have a discussion. Would love to do it. Be yeah. my honor. Yeah, everyone out there, you check my show notes. You can see my P.O. box where you can write letters or all the social media stuff that you can find me and contact me and message me. Yeah. yeah thank, you. thank you so much, Don. This was awesome. Okay, buddy. Thank you. God bless. Follow Sean on social media at Sean B. Planet. His podcast audio is on the Sean B. Planet channel on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. His videos are on YouTube and BitChute. Live streams on DLive and Twitch. Blogs, links, and other stuff can be found at SeanBPlanet.com.